What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. All right, before you enjoy your pants off this next episode, November 24th in Petaluma, California, at West Coast Archery Shop, from 11 to 4, there will be Customer Appreciation Day. Come on down, come have a good time, share your stories and your adventures from this year's hunting season, check out some bows, check out some new products that'll be coming out, and come eat some amazing food. We look forward to seeing you there. Again, that's November 24th, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, 11 to 4, at West Coast Archery Shop. What's that? Thing will be blowing up the whole time. Right, and that's all you'll hear is phone ringing. Mm -hmm. The gram. The gram going off. Ba-dink-a-dink. Whatever the fucking sound is that the phone makes. So, Hans, we're sitting in the bow shop at West Coast Archery, which is your bow shop. Uh, you and I just got back from a B-Zone bear hunt this last weekend. Yeah, saw a pretty nice bear. So we saw one nice bear run across the road like a maniac yeah. and disappeared off into the <laughs> forest of Never Never Land. Yeah, that's right. Into the poison oak. Yeah, into the poison oak, <laughs> which uh-huh. you got a gnarly case of poison oak this year. Yeah, it's going to scar me, I think, pretty good this year, but yeah, we'll get over it. Like, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> It was a good one, yeah. One to remember. Yeah. One to remember. That was rough. So today, I kind of wanted to, I I talked to you about this a little bit, and I kind of wanted to go over the breakdown of not all bow setups, but just a common bow setup, you know, and, and, you know, something for me, because a lot of people always approach me and, you know, what kind of bow should I get? What should I do? You know, and there's there's budget options. There's, you know, mid-range options. And then there's just, you know, going to the full nines, buy once, cry once. And I've always been, uh, when it comes to archery equipment, a believer in buy once, cry once. Yeah, I mean, everybody, I think we all kind of <clears throat> think the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. we all want the best and... Uh, uh, we just don't want to get something that is very invested in and not use it, Ever. which I understand. And people do that. I know. I know they do. I know they do. And I understand. And they know their, you know yourself. Yeah. We know ourself, you know, of uh, the guy, people that do that kind of stuff just as a weekend hobby or, shoot, or, you know, that's what you do. Well, that's the lifestyle everything. you live. Lifestyle you live for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's definitely a lifestyle. Like, there's more to it than just... I mean, sure, you have weekend shooters, recreational shooters, and yeah. stuff like that. But for guys like you and me, it's yeah. it's Arch- definitely a lifestyle. Archery hunting definitely could be a lifestyle very easily. Yeah. And today, we're not really going to go over target bows or anything like that. I mean, we yeah. could save that for another episode if yeah. there was enough interest of people that wanted to <clears throat> have a better understanding of, you know, target bows. Um so for me whenever i'm talking to someone who wants to buy a new bow and they want to get into archery and they've never been in it yeah you know 
I always try to express to them, this is what I do. You know, and I always tell people, you know, if you're really looking at doing it, 2,500 bucks is kind of the budget that I tell people. And, and I know that there's a low end, you know, you could, you could get out the door for less than a thousand, you know, if, if someone wanted to, or depending on the bow you get and what it's made out of or the company that you go with, it could be more like 3,000 or 3,500 bucks. But yeah. what, what would you tell somebody if they're building a bow and they were looking at a budget for building a bow, what kind of budget would you kind of give them? I mean, a budget, we can go, I mean, a full-grown adult, mm -hmm. you know, not going to grow any taller kind of guy, you know, about 28 to 30-inch draw length, somewhere around there. You can go anywhere from $400 or $300 and up. Mm -hmm. Bows usually creep, you know, every $300, you know, $300 $400, $500, $600, you know, they go $100 increments up. Mm -hmm. um, now, what's a good bow for your money? You know, any of the, well, they're all pretty good for the most part. Let's get, get that over with. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a, a good brand, you know, the Mission brand made by Matthews, you know, really good brand. It, very versatile in weight so when you start at let's say 50 pounds work yourself up you're not in the middle of buying new limbs well, let's say and so for example with the mission <clears throat> what is the range so like you said it's it's a it's a good starter bow what's the range on pounds for that pounds i mean you're two, two, 30 pounds to 70 pounds. 30 pounds to 70 yes, pounds? Yes. And what that is, is that's the weight that you're actually pulling, pulling back. back. Yes. Yeah. And they're all, most of these bows are 80% let off. Holding, let's say, uh, 70 pounds, let's say, uh, somewhere around, I'm just going to say 14 pounds, mm -hmm. very roughly. You know, around there, it depends what weight you're holding or drawing back. So that could be a pretty good bow from a kid all the way to an adult yes. who's just getting started into archery. Yes, so it's very budget, budget, uh, very good price uh, bow for that mm -hmm. money. Um, and why he grows or she grows, the module just rolls. Mm -hmm. So you can adjust that at home. Adjust it at home. Yeah, adjust it at home. You can do it on your lap, you know, and do it. You don't need a press or anything like that. And they're sort of forgiving too if there's a dry fire. Yeah, you. They know uh, a lot of these boats are going to go to first-time archery owners, mm -hmm. and um, it, ha it happens. You know, it, I see I see them once in a while. I'd say out of ten bows, I probably see four back within a month. Really? And it varies, but sometimes it's a little stronger than others. It's like a uh, solid forty percent. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, yeah, it's more the bigger it, it happens. Like I said, some, we learn from it, though. Well, and something too that I always hammer home on. What I what and you brought it up indirectly right there, is that when someone comes in and buys equipment from a pro shop or your shop instead of a big box store, if they derail their bow or they're having problems with their bow, they can come back and talk to you about it yeah. and try to figure out a solution and work with you on it. Yeah, we just put the bow back together, do what we got to do. If we need to replace stuff, we go ahead and do it. Um, some of the brands have a, believe it or not, a warranty on the dry fire. They give you one, you know, they'll replace the cams 
uh, free or the limbs for free once um, if you damage those, um, which is not very common, guys. I mean, it's nobody else does that in the bow world. Um, so they know what happens, and once you use that, it's done. But they make you buy your strings and cables. That's on you. you know, yeah. That's on us. You know that. But it uh, very very reliable, strong bows. You know, for sure. So before we continue to dive down the rabbit hole of bows, let's break down an arrow first. And I know that an arrow is going to be sort of dependent upon what bow you get, what pound you're shooting, what your draw length is, and and we'll get all we'll get into a lot of that stuff, you know, a little bit further into the podcast. But for example, so right here we're looking at three different arrows. We're looking at a carbon fiber arrow, which is, is that a seven millimeter diameter? This is a uh, two, uh, two, four, six. This is a a standard uh, gold tip arrow. Uh And then you got a full metal jacket, which is a 204. Then you got a Easton injection, which is like a 166. That's that's your smaller stuff. You know, more high-end hunting, usually hunting arrow. So what's the difference between the FMJ and a carbon fiber arrow? Well, FMJ is built, you know, they're built for big game. You know, they're great hog arrow, great elk arrow, a great arrow for big boned animals. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you can obviously shoot anything with them. The FMJ is a carbon slash aluminum wrapped arrow. Um, and it's that medium diameter in the arrow world for hunting stuff. Um, it's a really good arrow. You don't have a stiffer spot on that arrow, a stiffer spine, so they're really good for broadhead shooting. Um, they are a hunting, a uh-huh. really good hunting arrow. Um, the injection, the carbon injection, which is one. Remember, I, I shot all these arrows. All three of these arrows here, I shot. Everything that's on the counter here, I mean, you pretty I, much had experience with I, every I, single product that we're looking shot, at. Personally, I pretty much shot all this stuff, except for maybe equalizer. Yeah. Pretty right. much everything else. <laughs> um, but uh, the injection's a great arrow for your thinner uh, diameter arrows, and you run the titanium 55 grain insert in it, insert, outsert. Um, great combination with that arrow. Um, so what's the biggest difference if, if someone's going to run a, a standard diameter arrow to a thinner diameter arrow? What are you gaining or losing? You know, your thinner stuff's going to have a little bit more penetration, mm-hmm. you know. Now, is it a crazy amount? It's a little bit. You know, I mean, I have a, the, I have a gel block here. We shot all those broadheads into last year, and I shot the thicker diameter. I shot the thinner diameters. At the end of the day... Everything kind of was within an inch and a half it, yeah, to two it, inches of each other. It's not crazy. Yeah. But the one thing I will say, the thinner stuff in the wind, it kicks the wind a little bit better. Um, and it's a little heavier. To Which finish. means it doesn't drift as yes. much if there's a strong crosswind. A, a good, you know, 50, 60 yard shot. It stays very true. Um, if you're good for that shot, of course. Yeah. Um, and the FMJs, remember it's a 11.3 grains per inch. It's a little bit heavier arrow. So that's going to do really well um, in the wind and for penetration. And your standard, just Gold Tip Pro, you know, 340, 8.89 uh, 8, 8, 8, 9 grains per inch. 
That's a lighter arrow. You know, that's a good blacktail arrow. It's a straight, very straight, it's a point one straightness arrow. Um, it's just your standard arrow without getting into the more expensive stuff, let's say. Yeah. Um, well, and you brought up inserts and collars and all that kind of stuff. So what does that mean to somebody who's new into archery and they're looking at picking up, you know, say they're going to go with the gold tip 8.9, Yeah. right? What is going to make their arrow heavier? What's going to help them with penetration? We can add brass inserts to them, right? We can add stainless inserts to them. Um, different manufacturers and even other companies that only make arrows make different products to add weight to the front of your arrows or you can screw into the back of your insert too. Um, this is going to give you a higher FOC arrow. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to hit harder. You know, I, I like to say it's going to be better for a good, better bone crushing arrow. You know, better, you know, deeper penetrating arrow. Um, guys are hunting elk like today. I had a guy come in. He wanted, you know, he's 30, 31 inch arrow and he only weighed 400, 410 grains. So oh, we wow. going elk hunting. So we want something. Bring that up. Yeah, we want something around 500. So we set him up with uh, some axe, match grade axis with um, 50 grain brass inserts, put out 530 grains of 31 inch arrow. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. That's it. That's, that's gonna now, hit. did he have a 30 inch draw length? 31 inch draw 31 inch draw length. Yeah. So it's, that's gonna hit hard. It's gonna and smash. Go through ribs, do what it needs to do. Um, you know, of course, broadhead wise, you know, shoot the right broadhead, that's all. Mm -hmm. Beside it. Um, but yeah, it's, they're all pretty good. Whatever shoots the best out of your system is the best arrow. I yeah. wouldn't say one's substantially better and all these just these three arrows i'm looking at here um one's not better than another i would just say whatever one shoots well for your bow right now with fletchings is there going to be a big difference for somebody whether they're running a three fletch or a four fletch arrow or if they're running a feathered arrow to a plastic blazer arrow yeah i mean or rubber or whatever yeah, your, your, sta out. your standard arrows you're going to see nowadays are going to be a two-inch blazer style or a bullet two-inch blazer name. There's going to be a higher profile, okay? That's going to be out-of-your-box arrows, and they're good. They're, they're a really good system, and they're, they're proven. Um, I like to run a... I do a lot of custom stuff, do a lot of three-inch Q2I shield cut, you know, with a slight helical to them. Um, they're very quiet over the blazer style veins, um, and they do really well in the crosswind. So before we continue down that, what is a helical? Helicals, the one of fletching is kind of wrapping, instead of being straight on the arrow, it's wrapping left or right on that Twisting arrow. around the yes. shaft. So when that arrow leaves, it's now spinning mm -hmm. uh, the direction of that vein. Going for that spiral yeah. near football perfect. Just yes. Yes. And not saying that straight <laughs> fletch. I have people shooting straight fletch. Uh, very well, you know, good shooters and they on their broadhead stuff they like shooting straight flesh yeah i mean they prefer straight flesh really yes because they you don't get the drop mm -hmm. but now again we have to prove that system works good through your setup yeah you know i shoot an offset that's what i like to shoot that's how you like it yeah they're very true but again whoever shoots good out of your bow right so <clears throat> We kind of talked about, you know, loading, loading the tip a little bit, yeah. you know, putting, putting extra weight in. 
you know, you said roughly 530 grains for the yeah. guy who's going elk hunting. What about for someone who wanted to go deer hunting? Would you, would you recommend, like, so for me, for example, and I'll use myself, I shoot a 450 grain arrow. Yeah. And now if I go elk hunting, I'm going to use that 450 grain arrow. If I go pig hunting, I'm going to use that yeah. 450 grain arrow. Or if I go deer hunting, I'm going to use that 450 grain arrow. And I know that a lot of people like, some people like to run, you know, 530, 550, yeah. 560, yeah. you know, and, and I know also like I used to run uh, 395. Yeah. was standard arrow was what i used to run you know years prior it, 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 you know it, you don't want to buff it i mean typically you don't want a buffet of arrows right and they're expensive they're expensive and it's nice to use everything we have um so yes it's nice not to go too crazy on weight because then you can shoot everything you, you don't want to get like a 700 grain arrow it's you know i've seen guys that want to shoot that stuff yeah now, I, now if you shoot a, a take for instance the buck i shot opening day yeah i'm only shooting a 470 grain arrow 78 yards and when that show that verdicts went off that buck turned and faced me because it heard the noise of the bow i'm guessing yeah arrow bow whatever and i hit him right basically in the chest Really? So now if I was shooting a 700 grain arrow, where would that deer be? Gone? Would he have took two more steps? I shot him in the, in the belly. Yeah. So, so what you're talking about with the 700 grain is the slower flight. Yes. So because that, it's a heavier arrow. And these deer move, as you know, if you're going to use one arrow for everything. Um, and I think everybody can kind of, kind of read me on that. Um, that heavy of arrow, you guys are shooting out or shooting buffalo elk kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so just be careful to a point, you know, but definitely what works for you. Mm -hmm. So that's what would worry me about a heavy, heavy arrow. So 470 grains, pretty much could do whatever with it. And I could definitely build an elk arrow if I need to go elk hunting. Yeah. But I own an archery shop, so it's not Build a big deal for want. me. Yeah. But for everybody else, yeah, just, you know, the full metal's great. The injections are great. I mean, you could build a 500-grain arrow um, or a little less and be really well off with that. You know, do real well Have a that. very diverse Yeah, that's arrow. what I would tell you to do yeah. personally. So. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and again, me. it depends how long this arrow is mm -hmm. and how much weight you know you get a 31 inch arrow well that's going to be a heavy arrow almost any you know either way right but for yeah. short like us yeah right you know we we have to buy a, a heavier grains per inch arrow to get a heavier arrow. yeah or add weight to the front to get a heavier arrow. yeah um so everybody's a little different in that which is what you and i did with my arrows this year yeah. we added 50, 50 grain grains. inserts yeah and that's that's i think that's the best thing to do yeah absolutely it's easy. So we'll kind of get into broadheads a little bit. Um, I grabbed off of the shelf here, I grabbed for mechanicals, I grabbed the hypodermic no collars. Yeah. That's the broadhead that I used this year. Um, I've ran hypodermic for, I think, since they came out. Yeah. That's how long I've been using those. Um, I also grabbed the Kudu Point broadheads and I grabbed. What are they, the Grim Reaper Pro Series Micro Hades? Yes. Um, they're all 100 grain. I mean, I only did that just because, yeah. you know, I figured I'd keep, while we're looking at it, visually appeasing. 
Um, so what's your biggest difference if you're going to be running, you know, say a Rage Hypodermic to a Kudu Point Broadhead? I, you know, any of your fixed blades, you need to shoot them. I mean, a well-tuned bow, well bow will typically shoot them well. Um, every bow is a little different. You know, when we pull strings off that bow and put new strings on it, it's going to be a different bow, man. Everything changes. Tune that bow. You, yeah. You know, it. it's just so micro. Yeah. Know, and uh, we'll get into micro with the rest. But uh, yeah. it's so fine-tuning when you shoot the fixed blades. Uh, usually the smaller diameter, like the Kudus and an inch and 16, great broadhead. Mm-hmm. I mean, it blows right through pigs. Um, I shot a few pigs with them. I haven't shot any deer with them. I like a little bit bigger cut, yeah. personally, for the deer. Um, well, it's I, such a tiny, the hundreds. I, yeah, the hundreds are, yeah, the hundreds, the hundreds are, are tiny. I wish they were big as the 125s. Yeah. Because that would be my, I think, Go-to. Yeah, that would be my go-to. Now, does a, the 100 catch less wind than the 125, would you say? I Yeah, smaller broadhead. It's a smaller cutting surface, right? Yeah. So, it, typically, those fly really well. And, you know, guys do really well with them, especially on big bone animals. You'll get some pretty, you know, get some pass with those for sure. Uh, in a, the, so the Pro Series Micro Hades, um, the 100 grain or engine 116 three blade, that's one of my f- most favorite uh, fixed blade brought in. Really? It, it, it shoots really good. I mean, I shot them out of my RX3 and my, um, and remember guys, I have the micro, I have the micro adjust uh, rest on both of my bows. Um, for the fixed blades reasons, you know, if you're not going to go with fixed blades, you don't need it. But have the micro adjust uh, rest, and they tuned in. I, I don't even think I shot a dozen arrows out of them, and they, you know, 60 yards, I could shoot a four-inch dot. Really? I'm pretty happy with. I mean, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, and of course, I shot them farther, and they shot fine. I think at 80, it shot a couple inches high, but that's hard to measure, right? Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they're really well, really good um, for your big boned animals. So what, well, what's the difference between running a, you know, I guess two blades, a two blade, two or three blade, two yeah, three blade. You know what? It, it cutting surface. I mean, it, the single bevel is made to break bone, mm-hmm. right? Black tail. Yeah. They're pretty small. Yeah. You know, it, you can shoot it, shoot it right through them pretty much on those guys. Uh, it's just personal, man. I mean, if it shot, let's just say the, the Kudu shot better than Micro Hades, well, then absolutely go with what shoots the best. You know, that's what, I, that's what I'm going to tell Performance you. first. Hands down. And both these broadheads are sharp. Yeah. Be very, you know, if the broadheads aren't sharp, sharpen them. You know, some of the broadheads, I'm not going to name any, out of the box <laughs> that aren't, they're not that sharp. Um, sharpen them, and that you know that's fine. You buy a sharpener, sharpen them, then you can shoot each broadhead, right, with each arrow and number your arrows, and you know make sure have number one arrow be your elk arrow, right? Yeah. Um, it's something very that'd be very handy to do. Well, and part of the reason why I'm bringing this up, I know for me in the past, because I used to run Thunderheads, which were fixed blade broadheads. Definitely the past, huh? Definitely the past. <laughs> Um, I still have plenty of them yeah. if I ever were to switch back. Have you shot them through your boat? You should try to shoot one. I should. I never even this thought about it. Just to see where it's yeah, at. Yeah, yeah. Just to see. I mean, they're phenomenal. We were talking about it over the weekend. 
Could there be a broadhead that has killed, killed more animals, animals <laughs> than a thunderhead? I, you know, I don't know. Classic, yeah. just screaming demon, just killing shit. Yeah, that thunderhead's um, an animal for sure. But I would, I mean, back then I was not shooting a bow equipped to shoot past 45, 50 yards max. Yeah, 200. 1989 Warthog wooden compound bows. Yeah. You remember when I used to bring that fucker in here. You'd always say, get a new bow. <laughs> I never said that. <laughs> and, uh, I might have thought that. But I never you probably said. thought it. But, you know, the, the difficulty that I would have with that would be my field points were always different, different than my broadhead. And the rest, I mean, it was a nope. an old rest. Quick that, tune, the old quick tune rest. Whatever one just sticks on the side oh, of your bow. Oh, so you shot fingers. Yeah. Sticks to the side. Yeah, finger, I was bad. I was rest. still shooting fingers for sure. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I, th- I think you should go back to that. I mean, I think it'd be. <laughs> I do have a. I do have a new bow. Not a new bow. A new to me bow that my dad built back in '89. <laughs> And that will be, I'll be hunting with that bow. Recurve? Yeah, it's recurve. Yeah. You've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. You've seen me shooting it. <laughs> uh, and with that, I'll probably be shooting fixed blade broadheads. Oh, yeah, uh, hands down. Absolutely. Yeah. Kudu style, 150, 125. Yeah, I was leaning with either the Kudus or the Iron Wills. I'm not yeah. sure yeah. which ones yet, but yeah. we can get into that on a different, oh, yeah. on yeah. a different, when, I, when we're talking about that. Um, so anyways, when I, switched my bow and ended up you know you had convinced me that because i complained to you my problems about having to you know here's my aim point and then you know i know that when i'm hunting i have to aim you know six inches high and five inches to the right in order to hit the pocket with my broadheads yeah God, that just feels so archaic to think that that's how I used to hunt. Well, a lot of times back then, guys had two sights. Yeah. So they had a broadhead sight and had a field a field tip sight. Uh-huh. Okay, so, and that's what a lot of guys... There wasn't the quick tune. There wasn't no tuning. There was no... I mean, you're, you had the best stuff. No, yeah, you had there was the no advantage. The yeah. yeah. So you, you would... Uh, the guys would run two sights. They had a broadhead sight, a field tip sight. Yeah. And that's, you know, so guys that... Big old sites with plastic yeah. housing. Plastic housing, or not even that. Just the, the old pins that just hung out. And Screwed. Colored on the end. Yeah, there's a little painted dot. Yeah, for sure. That's just God, what that's there so, was then. I just, right now, I just remember drawing back on Bucks, <laughs> looking and thinking that that was the bee's knees. Yeah, well, it was. It was. Yeah. It was. Didn't know any better. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, Things until changed. 2010 when I yeah. bought a new bow. Anyways. Um, and what you had explained to me with mechanicals is that mechanicals, you know, there's a lot less room for error. There's a lot more forgiveness between field points and mechanicals. Yes, on the shoot. On the shoot. You know, if that blade is closed, okay, that blade needs to be closed. Mm-hmm. That blade is closed. Um, while you shoot, you're not shooting through grass or trees or twigs or any of that. Clear shot. They are very good shooting broadhead. Um, for guys that are just shooting our deer around here, California, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite. I shoot the Tripan, the titanium version. Yeah. Um, and they do have a collar still which I think that's going to go away eventually. That would be very nice. Yes. I'd switch to the tripan if it had no collar. 
great rod head. I can't say enough about the no collar. I mean, I loved yeah. hunting 11 days straight with the no collar this yeah. year, and then, you know, the four or five days that I hunted in A zone. Yeah, so, I mean, the biggest problem that we see with these are, they're, you know, when you push them in your quiver, we'll blow them open, right? Mm -hmm. We'll break the clip on them, and the old stuff is terrible. I mean, it, the old you had collars. Be, yeah, they were collar O rings. Yeah, that's right. And it was just, you know, and I had bad, I think we all kind of went through our phases and loved them, hated them, you know, and I think a lot of people, it's very, you know, people, a lot of people don't like them. I mean, that's, then that's fine. Yeah. Shoot, whatever, I mean, whatever shoots good. Right. Um, but the, the no collars, man, they close and like, you can just, if one pops open on grass, walking with your bow, Clip. just close it. Yeah. Yeah, you're not breaking clips. Like, I mean, in Hawaii. You don't have to unscrew it, yeah. reposition it, or screw no, it back they in. They don't even have those on the tripans. Really? Just one way when it goes on. Really? So there's, there's a sleeve, and once you break it off, guys, we've got to replace that collar. So on yeah, a tripan. On a tripan. So we got to have more in our pack. So in Hawaii, I broke two open because that grass is up to your shoulders on some of And spot. thick. And thick. So you when you walk you with your bow, it. Yeah. if it's not on your shoulder, it gets caught on a little blade of grass and it pops them open because it doesn't take 20 pounds of pressure to pop them open if you just pull them out on the side, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so a no collar is very convenient in that. So, um, yeah, they're sh they shoot very true. I, they're thick blades. Um, the tripans are made out of titanium, though, and we don't break them. I mean, break them, let's say, break them as much. Yeah. But usually the damage is already done. I mean, I shot through shoulders of blacktail. Nothing big, nothing, no elk. I haven't, you know, I've tried elk with them. Guy. Just blacktails we're talking here. Mm -hmm. um, it goes right through them. Um, so I, I, I like them. They shoot good or true. We're shooting these, these deer a little bit farther than most in other states, you know. So, you know, South Carolina or whatever, we're shooting 20 yards yeah. to 15 yards. Well, you shoot anything, right? <laughs> 15 yards, we can, it, it, all this stuff's going to shoot really well. So, but I like seeing the bigger holes yeah. to bleed, bleed out, you know. Well, so something else that I grabbed too is the judos. Because yeah. for me, I, I have a five arrow quiver, what I run on my hip. And... I always, yeah. I mean, this year, because I ran out of my judos, I lost them all, I think. They fall out of your quiver, or you actually shoot them? No, I, I, I lost them shooting it. <laughs> uh, yeah, the judos are awesome. I mean, usually when deer season opens, usually, is in other states or here, quail season, or quail season a lot of times open, mm -hmm. or in other states, grouse, or grouse even here. Yeah. So it's middle of the day when it's hot out. It's sure fun to see how all that works, you know? Yeah. Well, and not only that, there's been times when I'm guessing and checking when I'm in the field. Yeah, guessing like, yardages. Guessing yardages, yeah. and it's it's a hot day, and yeah. everything's bedded down for the day. Yeah. And I'll pull out my judo, and I'll shoot into some grass at what I think is 35 yards. And am I aiming, am I, am I, is my arrow going low? Is my arrow going high? Yeah. You know, and realize that I can't do yardage estimates for shit. Yeah, you should have at least one in your quiver. But I know, I mean, I know some of these quivers are smaller. Mm -hmm. they, they don't hold. Three arrow quiver. Yeah, it, it's hard. I, you probably don't want to be carrying one of those around if you have a three arrow quiver. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe even if you're pig hunting, you might want to have all five arrows when you have two or three tags in your pocket. Um, but yeah, they're a lot of fun. 
for deer, you know, we only can kill a deer or so here. So um, I always have them in my side-by-side or whatever. You saw my quiver last week, right? In the back yeah. of my side-by-side, I have a bunch of Judos for quail and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they tear up some arrows shooting those quail. So what's the difference between a bludgeon and a Judo? So the bludgeons don't have the prongs on them, right? They're just basically a flat spot. It's basically, it's a flat. Breaking ribs. Yeah, it's, they're just flat and they have little prongs on them. So if you're shooting in the grass, they skip more. You know, if you shoot them on like just a dirt surface, they'll skip. Mm-hmm. So you gotta be careful. Um, they'll skip a long ways. The judos will grab and kind of flip your arrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find your arrow. The, the bludgeons, um, which are a lot cheaper, you get four of them for like 12 bucks or 10 bucks. Um, so, but yeah, certain areas, they can, you kind of need a little bit more backstop. But say it does save your arrow. Just cause. Yeah, I shoot them. I love, I love shooting those for squirrels. Yeah. Squirrel, good squirrel. Squirrels are tasty. Yes. The ground squirrels, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, used yeah. to smoke those with my wooden arrows when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Back in the yeah. So, what would you recommend for somebody that maybe wanted to get into archery, turkey hunting? What broadhead would you? So turkeys. So now turkeys, we're gonna shoot the biggest, expandable possible. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's the Rage Four Blade Extreme. That's what I shot last year. You know, in Hawaii and here, I shot the Four Blade Extremes. Great, awesome. Cuts a huge hole, kills them. The, you know, they're, they're vital. You know, their kill spot's smaller. Mm-hmm. And we're shooting these 70 pound bows that just go right through these turkeys, which you kind of want to slow it down. So, uh, kind of best of both worlds. You'll still probably go through the bird, um, but it cuts a big hole. Yeah. Definitely a big hole in them. So, I would say any, any of your expandables or fixed blades, the biggest, biggest hole you can uh, put through them. I like the rages or the. Uh, well, turkeys are a durable creature, man. Yeah. Well, they have a lot of breast meat. Yeah. And what happens is you get shoot a little bit in front and you just hit breast meat and they're gone i mean they just fly away i think everybody has a lot yeah you know you gotta really you know shoot them higher in the back and just it lights out so it's a challenging bird they're fun yeah springtime you know yeah what else are we hunting what else are we hunting not bears that's for damn sure <laughs> not this state not yet <laughs> yeah not yet yeah. not yet yeah so. um all right cool so we kind of did a total crash course in arrows. You know, you kind of came up, you know, roughly recommended 500 grain arrow would be a good all around arrow. Yeah. You know, somewhere in that ballpark. 450 to, and to 500 is, again, draw lengths, a lot of things depending on all this, yeah. all these numbers, uh, but yes. And we'll get into draw length yeah. as well. Um, so we kind of already discussed right in the beginning, we discussed the Matthews mission, yeah. the benefits of it for a first timer, you know, the price of it, which is, what's the price of one? Uh, they start usually for 269 to 299. So the adult's gonna be, uh, you know, your adult will be in a hammer, which is, you know, 300, but you typically want the longer bow starts at $400. Yeah. So for a full grunt doll, I'd tell you to start with a $400 bow. $400 bow? Yeah, $400 bow. That's so. And then also, you have, uh, you put together like a, a kit. Yeah. And it's like an extra $100? Yeah, $100 gets you a Apex 5 arrow quiver, gets you a uh, Trugler Whisker Biscuit, um, 
he gets you a five a five pin sight, not a three pin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not hunting too many whitetail here. Yeah. Um, so it gets you 20 to 60 yards. So you're not replacing that sight right away. You know, D loop, that D loop and a peep. So gets you out the door. You can put it on any bow. You know, hundred bucks. You put on any bow you want to put it on. Yeah. Quiver alone typically retails for 70 bucks. Okay. So you hit. The quiver really makes that because it's the quiver you'll probably have forever on that. You yeah. might want to get a drop way down the road or you know. What kind of rest is that coming with? It's coming with a, basically a whisket, a whisker, a whisker biscuit, biscuit style. Yeah. Uh, Trugo makes it now. Okay. Uh, style rest. So just a basic, just just to get you going a couple years and probably get a drop way eventually. And then what? How much would a, a dozen arrows? Let's say. Let's say the person has a 28 or a 29 inch draw length. Yeah. They're going to load them up in the front a little bit. Yeah. Right? So they're going to get, you know, FMJs or the Gold Tip Hunter Pros. Yeah. What are they kind of looking at for like a half dozen or a dozen arrows? I mean, just your, your regular arrow ranges from, I got them from $30 to $200 per six. Mm -hmm. So I know that's a crazy range yeah. there. Um, but usually your average arrow, fifty dollars, fifty dollars for six. For six? Yeah, for six arrows, and you get you know your your brass is typically, you know, about a dollar twenty-five a piece, roughly. Mm -hmm. yeah. Again, depends brand wise. For inserts and for inserts, yeah. Collars. But if you just want the regular stuff, it comes with the arrow. Yeah. You know, you so don't have, you don't have to break. If we're talking first bow here. We don't need to break. We're, we're talking like out the door for 750 no or, or less. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. We don't need to break the bank. We're going to burn through our first six to a dozen arrows. Just get some In basic. the backyard. Yeah. Get some basic. Just remember if you're shooting in your backyard that you're following city or county regulations. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, like I said, we kind of touched on the, on the mission bow. So, we are also looking at... Uh, Matthews Vertex and a Hoyt RX3 Carbon. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, a Matthews and a Hoyt, clearly two different brand names. Yes, yeah, sir. Right? First noticeable difference. Um, the Carbon has a carbon riser. Yes. And the Matthews has an aluminum riser. What's the biggest difference going on there? I mean, your biggest difference is overall weight. Mm -hmm. Weight of the bow. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's all we're talking here. If we're not talking brands, yeah. you know, just it, it's really just a weight of the bow. You know, the carbon is going to be a lighter frame bow. So your guys that are going to be maybe doing a lot of backpacking, no horses. And they're trying to cut and weight. trying to cut weight. So we're putting, you know, we're running carbon. We're running quivalizers. You know, we're not, we're trying to not put sidebars or front bars. We're trying to keep the weight down if we're using our back. We're not using a horse, right? You know, so it's just two different spectrums of bows. Uh, they're both awesome. I like a heavier bow. I mean, I like the the, the aluminum riser. Is I like I really like the heavy bow. But when I go sometimes up, it feels back, better for you. Yeah, it holds better. A full draw, it holds really well yeah. on the on the target. You know, because um, that's at the end of the day, that's what matters, right? right. Well, now, do you think that that little bit of extra weight, I don't know what the actual poundage is it, that's that's the difference, but do you think that that helps, you know, 
similar to a stabilizer, just having that extra weight in the front of your arm? Just having a weight in general. Yeah. You know, you hold heavy weight out there, it's going to be hard to move. Uh, move around as much as a lightweight, you know, it's like a heavy gun. To a lightweight light gun. to dance. Yeah, you're holding, so you're, you're heavier, it's going to move less mm-hmm. when you're at full draw. Yeah. It's really, you know, pick your poison. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, you can set up whatever, you know, shoots the best for the individual for sure. Yeah. And they're, you know, again, my bow's heavier. That's, you know, I run more weight than I've set up a customer with. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah. So, for the Matthews bow with an aluminum riser, um, I totally how lost how my train. What's that? What's the weight difference? I mean, yeah, sure. Do you know? Do you know off the top of your head what the weight difference? If you don't, we don't have to it's, go into that. Like, I lost my train of thought. It's only a few ounces so. difference. It's, it's not huge. It's not huge, but it does feel. I mean, when you hold it out, you feel it. Oh yeah, you, you can notice. Feel it. We could talk about it. We don't feel it, right? Yeah. I mean, you hold it out and shoot it, and you're like, okay, I get it. You know, right. it, 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 it's, it's ounces like a sleeping bag, backpack, and sleeping bag to a. You know, sleeping out of the back of your truck, sleeping bag. Yeah. Um, so yes, it it's a little bit lighter, and you usually set up those bows lighter because you're using them for hardcore purpose. So now, when we're talking about the riser, I remember what I was going to say. Whether it's on the carbon or on the verdicts, which we're looking at, um, the riser is the basically the main part of the bow your your whole yeah pretty where much. your stabilizer is getting attached to where your rest is going your where sight. your sight is going yes. you know that's that's the meat and potatoes basically i mean obviously you have your limbs on either end mm-hmm. you know but and the reason why i'm bringing this up is just because some people might come in here and, and feel intimidated or or feel a little confused about like what's a limb what's a riser you know what's yeah. You know, what are my axles? What are my training wheels? What are all yeah. the different parts of the bow? And Yeah, your, your risers with the grips attached to, for yeah. the most part, right? You know, like you said, the rest, the sight, that's your riser. That's your frame of your bow. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you look at an old bow, how short the risers are, <laughs> and now they're so long. Yeah. Well, the longer risers are more forgiving, so it makes it easier to shoot. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's why you'll see all these bows have a lot longer risers than your dad's did, or the older bows from the 90s, you know, with the non, you know, they weren't parallel limbs. The limbs were yeah. the part of the length of the bow by far. Um, well, and two, I mean, you look at like the verdicts is 29 axle to axle. 30. Is it 30? 30 okay, inches. 30 axle to axle. What's the Hoyt carbon? Around 30. It's around 30. Yeah. Because I've seen bows that go all the way up to 34 or 35. 35. Yeah, just they switch every year. You know, one year it'll change be, it up. They change it up a little bit every year. Last year was 28. Mm-hmm. You know, there was no verdicts so of tracks. Yeah, 28. Um, so yeah, they, they change it up. Um, but now, what's the benefit? Is there a benefit or a difference on a 30-inch axle to axle to a 34-inch axle to axle? Your longer bows are gonna uh, you have less of a your string angle on your face is gonna be better typically mm-hmm. um, it's not gonna be pitched out it's not super gonna be tight super steep yeah but again it depends how long your draw length is mm-hmm. if 30 inch draw length both 28 inches that string angle is gonna be very steep mm-hmm. but if you're 27 inches that, that it's not getting pulled back and farther so that string angle is not as steep yeah but um, 
so yeah the 30 inch bow does all around pretty well like hold you know frame wise the cams are so big on all these bows now yeah i mean it's i think pretty much across the board on any of your higher end stuff at least they're all pretty big so and now what's a cam cams with the strings going on let's okay. say and that's where all your adjustments are and draw length um are in the cams um on a, some will have a module setting and some will have a full uh, cam that comes out, a module that comes out, and we gotta replace it. Like a verdicts, for instance, we pull out the module. Okay, I'm gonna get confusing here. Some yeah, people. Yeah, that's okay. So this module controls our peak weight too, okay? So it's a 70 pound bow we're looking at, at 29 inch draw. Say, so, hey, I drew an elk tag, a 10 year elk tag. I think I wanna step it up. Okay, so we get you a 75 pound module. This is only for the verdicts, guys. Mm -hmm. 75 pound module for the verdicts at 29 inches. Now we want to run a 280, you know, one of 550 grain or whatever arrow, it'll put them out there some decent speed instead of shooting my 70. Um, so that's an option too, you know, that module. That, that mod on the verdicts goes 75, 70, 65, and 60 pounds. Peaked out, so the bow, you don't have to turn the limbs down. Mm -hmm. But in all those numbers, we could turn the limbs down 10 more pounds, right? So, so like if it's at 75, it could go down, it can bottom out at yeah. 65. Yeah, so like if you want to get a bow and you're like, cool, I want to start at 65 yeah. and work my way and learn how to shoot at yeah. 75, Yeah, you can getting a 75 pound bow turned all the way down might be a reasonable could. option. I would, as your first bow owner, I'd try, I'd tell you to go 70, but yeah, you yeah. absolutely could do that. Spence, again, everybody pulls these bows back differently. Right. <laughs> uh, my, my verdict's pulling 81 pounds. Really? 81 pounds maxed out. I wow. shoot. At, I don't shoot at 81 pounds, Andy. I wish. No. Yeah. Uh, 74 pounds when I shoot them at. Yeah. But 81 pounds. That crazy, crazy weight. Matthews. Yeah. 81 pounds. 81 pounds. Verdicts. Yep. I like that. It's uh, it's a bone crusher for sure. It'll break some bones. Because they don't make limbs in 80 pounds, right? Yeah. On this bow. So yeah, that that's that's a bone crusher. So. What would be a good recommended weight for somebody to start out at? Like 50 pounds? You, 60? I, you know, six, 60, a 70 pound bow turned down to 60. Mm -hmm. Your average, let's say. Adult, adult male. Male, that's pretty, that's pretty average and it's all over the map, guys. I mean, it's, you could be anywhere in that map. I mean, yeah. you could be lower for sure if we have shoulder problems or whatever. We wanna keep it easy and see what, we'll see what we're made of here. Um, so yeah, 60 to 70 pounds, a good overall bow. You can do anything with it, right? And then if a female were to do it, it's roughly 30 to 40 pounds. Yeah, usually you start around 35 to 50s or hunting weight. I mean, it's just again. And a good bow for that would be like a Matthews Avail. Avail's great. You know, any of the missions are great. You know, the Hoyt makes some power, ma I mean, Hoyt makes some good power maxes. They're good, very well in the price points. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bunch of bows, man. Okay. Definitely okay. A bunch. You want your most efficient possible for the money you're using. Right. Because that shorter draw length, we have we need a most more efficient bow to put that arrow out there faster. Right. So most well, money. and that was kind of the next topic that I was going to throw at you was draw length. You know, because you know you have. 
some people with all the way down to a 26, 24 inch draw length, you know, and some people up to a 31 or a 32. If you're a freak like James, you know, 33 inches, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. You got all, you have a broad spectrum of different draw lengths. So what, for, for a, a person with an, uh, a longer draw length, what kind of benefits are they getting per inch of extra draw length? Your speed. Your speed's created off a lot of times off draw lengths, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of these bows like the verdicts because 30 and a half inches draw length. Mm -hmm. So 340 plus feet per second at 30 and a half inch, uh, well, a 30 inch draw length basically. So your, your perfect draw length's 30 inches if you want to just just name a number and 30 inches is what the just guy you want to be. Yeah. Now but how could... Because every ahead. year your flagship bow usually goes at 30 inches. Mm -hmm. So... That's your speed. That gives you your, your broadest spectrum yeah, yeah, of selection. Yeah, that gives you a very well, but we are what we're born with. I mean, in drawing. Yeah. You know, if you're 30 and a half, 31 and a half, get a bow. 24. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. You get a bow, it needs to fit you. Yeah. That's, end of the day, that's what matters. Well, and one of the biggest things, too, that I've always told people when they're buying a new bow is exactly what you've said this entire time, which is, Go shoot a bow and find the bow that shoots best for you, yeah. right? Because it's so, at the end of the day, it's all personal preference. A bow that doesn't shoot well in my hand might shoot so yeah. great in the next man's hand. Like uh, my buddy John, who, you know, I hunted with for years and years and years until he started popping out babies. And... Uh, hey, tell when that happens. I know, right? It's terrible. And... Uh, John loved what was the PSE bow that came out? God, 2012. Any of the mock bows? It wasn't a mock. It was something else. And it, but it was just stupid Texas fast, Force. stupid fast. Yeah. It was the fastest bow they full put out. Full throttle. Full throttle. Oh so boy. he loved the full throttle. Yeah. Like hands down, he loved that bow. Yeah. I hated it. Like it the back wall wasn't super aggressive. It, yeah, it yeah. just wasn't the right bow for me. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't like the back wall. I didn't like the the, the way the string pulled back. I didn't like the yeah, breakover. It was aggressive. It was, yeah, you know what I mean? But he was all about it. Yeah. You know, so, and that's what I think is so cool about archery is that really it comes down to, at the end of the day, what works best for you. Like, I feel like with rifle hunting, you can make a Remington 700 work and be comfortable for everybody. Right. Yeah. But you can't make... Uh, carbon or a vertex or a mission be comfortable for everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely different. Everybody has different grips, thoughts, feels, and uh, when you come at it, come in as when you agree, it's hard to, it's really hard to tell, right? To so understand, after, after yeah. your first year having a bow, <coughs> you can come in here and go, okay, I get it, right? Yeah. I get what people are talking about or i still don't get it you right. know i mean i get what these thousand dollar bows are made of or yeah. you know i don't think they're really worth you know it's just you kind of you have something to go by not just that one minute you shot 15 different bows yeah um but yeah grip appeal vibration you know of course a little bit of speed's nice they're all pretty fast for the most part um but yeah it's definitely personal weight of the bow yeah you know guys guys love the rx3 or any of the redworks bows you know the weight's really nice easy to get used to let's say mm -hmm. you know compared to the car uh, compared to the aluminum yeah 
So, something else I kind of want to touch on is brace height. Because, and I, I feel like I haven't seen it much in a, in a few years. I don't. Yeah. They, they, what was the bow that was like three different brace heights? <laughs> oh, which bow? Well, they all they all kind of made a model that was a a seven or a seven and a half, a seven, a six, a six and a half inch brace height. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. It depends what they're after. Was it the Halon Five? Oh yeah, yeah. The Halon. F the standard Halon and the 32. They made a yeah. five, six, and a seven. That's right. So they made okay. a super fast bow, a six is which is kind of go a little bit of everything, then a seven is usually for a lot of times your longer draw length guys because they'll go to a 31 inch draw length. So now a five, six, or a seven inch brace height, basically what you're compromising and cutting down to less inches is forgiveness yes. in your shot placement? Yes, it's so you measure from the in. You get grab a tape measure, measure from the inside of the grip, like where your palm goes to the string. Mm -hmm. Give you an idea right there. You know what that bow is, brace height. Um, but yeah, it's speed. You know, longer we keep that arrow on the string, the faster it is. So a five is going to be a 350 feet per second bow, and it depends what brands. I mean, it's all over the map, but. If we're traditionally a five is a 350 foot per second bow. Yeah. Okay. Um, a six is around 340, and a seven's around, uh, you know. Losing 10 high. feet per yeah, inch. Yeah, we're roughly. high 330s now on the sevens, but it yeah. really depends. Um, but yeah. Now, so, more for, so longer brace height, the more forgiving it is. When they're coming up with the IBO speed, just so people, when they buy a bow, like I've heard some people be like, oh, I got a 360 and it yeah. shoots 360. And it's like, no, dude, yeah. it doesn't shoot 360. Yeah. What are they using to get the IBO speed? Just so people can kind of have a more clear understanding yes. of what that looks like on the shaft of the arrow and the string. So usually it's basically nothing on the string of the bow. Three, uh, it's 30 inch straw bow, 70 pounds, 350 grain arrow. Mm -hmm. Right, we just got we just discussed how many grain and that thirty inch draw three hundred fifty grain is pretty dang light. That's super light. Feather light. Yeah. So and that's not what we're shooting. At all. At least me. Because you, you gotta add all the stuff on the string. Yeah. So, right? Yeah, every every couple grains you add on a string to feet per second, right? Yeah. Um, so all the way to what you're adding on yeah. your arrow. Like a three forty bow, be pretty happy shoot two eighty at twenty eight inches. Yeah. I'm pretty happy. Right. Um, so that's that's just me though you know but yeah that's kind of a rough number again draw length matters a lot you plays know, a huge inch, role yeah 30 inch guy's gonna be pushing into the 290s with a real hot and arrow yeah um but again every grain slows the bow down a little bit so so something that we kind of talked about earlier you know and it, and it goes in with draw length is getting a real steep pitch on your string. Yeah. Right? So what kind of role does a peep play in like, if you have a longer draw, a longer draw length mm -hmm. and a real steep pitch on a shorter axle to axle bow. So usually that string angles very short, you know, very steep. So mm -hmm. we have to run a different degree a lot of times we have to run a different degree peep. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, not run a standard peep. We're running a, a ham ski or something that we can get and see that target really, you know, still real round. It's not 
cocked uh, down or up too much, you know, oh. that peep. So that's that's the only thing. And that peep height will be all the way top of the serving a lot of times. You know, they, they, they serve a lot of these, these strings are served way down, as you can see, because of the speed knock, so your peep can only go so high. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, a 30-inch draw. That, that definitely you're running on top of that. I yeah. Think everybody... Well, and I, I remember that, too. For me, the there was a few years, yeah. it was before the Triax, there was a few years when I brought my bow to you, and I think we went from, like, five and a half inches or a six-inch peep height to a six and a half inch peep height yeah. because I was obsessed with getting further distance and okay. the only way yes. that we could achieve a further distant shot yes. was by bringing Raising my peep, peep up yeah so you know it goes off your anchor a little bit but yeah it so if you want to shoot 100 yards you typically got to have a higher peep height usually it's not five inches mm-hmm. five and a half we're pushing it you know and over we're starting now getting really close um, but you guys, again, the guys that are 30 inch draw length are going to have a six plus inch peep height typically. Yeah. Um, but we're going to have like a five and a half, you know, just standard um, peep height. But yeah, any sliders, typically we want to run a, around 100 yards. So we run around, you know, around a six inch peep height. Yeah. But it varies a little bit on, yeah. on bow. So what's the biggest difference? You know, we're looking at these three different peeps. We have one that's a quarter inch peep, mm-hmm. one that's three sixteenths, and one that's seven thirty seconds. Okay, so yeah, you're you're so it's on how big the housing is on the site. Mm-hmm. So you're shooting an inch and a half housing on yours, right? Somewhere around there, inch and a half, inch three quarters. You're gonna run probably a three sixteenth uh, peep on that guy. So you want to center that peep around the housing of your uh, scope. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the new spot hogs, they have the multiple rings. Um, a lot of times we just run the big ring and just run a uh, 732, that's mm-hmm. all you need. That'll do all pretty much every job right there. You don't typically need all the other rings if you're running a 732, but under different light conditions, you know, our peep, uh, we see different things. If you're in, in dark shooting outside, it looks really big, right? You're, you look through your peep and you can see way around your housing. But if you go just step outside the blind, nice and tight. So that's why the small hogs. It's so funny how it changes like that. Yeah. And shooting indoors, it changes too to outdoor just from artificial light. So, um, so and you can, some of the sites that you can move with a dovetail, you can move out farther and closer. I'll just shoot with, with what's really tight mm-hmm. around your peep. That's what I use them for. I don't mm-hmm. run them way out, way out. Typically, I run them so that peeps really tight, halfway or wherever that is on that bow, wherever I want to run it, because I can run a different peep, right? So, you just want them tight. That's all. And colors, red and black. Personally, I like the red. Me too. Because when it starts getting dark, you can't see that black ring. Right. It goes away. And some people are colorblind. They can't see red. But uh, I like the red. I know it looks funny on the bow because all the bow looks nice and pretty. It's all black and whatever color. You have this mm. red, god-awful red peep. But I like it because you can still see it when it starts getting dark. Yeah. Black kind of fades on me. Um, so very personal. All personal Like, like all archery. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the backbone of everything we've been saying yeah it's all it's all personal yeah um 
So you started talking about sites a little bit and the housing around the site. I grabbed a single pin, which was the HHA optimizer. Kingpin. Uh, I grabbed the Montana Black Gold, which is a fixed five pin. And I grabbed the Spot Hog Fast Eddy, which is a slider, which is basically three pins on a slider. Yes. It's, it's like a single pin, but it has three pins. Yes, but the whole rack moves. Yeah. So first, because those two sites are similar, let's talk about the fixed okay. pin. So your five pin, you know, your, your standard site in the West, I would tell you, you know, five pins a good a good, great starter because you're not going to be redoing it right away. You know, you'd be pretty happy with a long time or that's where your is going to run. Um, five pin will get you 20 to 60 yards. Um, and they're just simple. I mean, that'll get you by several years a lot of times. Um, a lot of times the more money you spend on a site, there's more fibers. The longer the fibers, the longer that it stays light inside the, the site, housing. You know, the housing, the, the pins stay lighter, you know. Uh, remember when you hunt other states, though, you can't have artificial lights. So buying a better site, will, you know, more, with more fiber. Will you allow get, you to hunt closer you, to yeah. shooting light. Shooting light, exactly. So, you know, the black gold, they do, you know, they all do a good job. The black gold does a really good job. With black gold does a really good yeah, job with that kind of stuff. $120 plus site, it's yeah. a great job. Well, you know, it's something. Made in Montana. Right. Right. Great state something that I can remember for me was like when I first got into archery and building my own bow, you know, when I was younger in my, in my teens and my later teens, um, I was always so caught up in the cost of a site. Yeah. Right. And I was always so like, Oh my God, they're a hundred bucks. You know, like that's such a, such an expensive site. And then like, for me, I got through this mental barrier at some point in my life. I think it was right in the, in the early 20s where I was looking at my rifle scopes and I was looking at my rifles and I have $400 and $500 rifles with $1,200 glass on it. Yeah. And I have a $1,200 bow with $100 quote glass on it, yeah. which is the bow sight. Yeah. And that was for me a big jumping off point of like, wait a minute, it is okay to spend a little bit more money on my optics, on my bow, because this is probably one of the most paramount and you know pivotal points yeah. um, in my accuracy as an archer. Yeah, for sure, it is. But you know, how much did he rifle hunt more then? I mean, that's where a lot of times it'll. it'll uh, be I like, definitely bow hunt more now. Yeah, so it makes sense to buy good yeah. equipment, right, yeah. or a good sight. Um, so and that's where it's definitely justified mm -hmm. for all of us, I think, mm -hmm. is, you know, what we do the most. How much time we're spending yeah. in the field behind what weapon? Yeah. Yeah. I, or tool. I was the same way. Yeah. You know, I, exactly the same. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's this, the slider pin, you know, slider side. I mean, they range all over the map. You get $100 sliders all the way up to... What do I have? Some four or five hundred dollar sliders, some op, you know options up there. Great sites. Um, so yeah, the Kingpin, HHA Kingpin, uh, very well built site, mm -hmm. flat out, very well built. 
um, very easy to slide, has all the, has multiple wheels, has a side-in wheel. Once you're done with that, you pull it on, put your tape on, on the other wheel. So if you ever have to recalibrate, let's say you're at 12,000 feet in Colorado and go, hey, my bow's shooting high at 60 yards. Well, we need a, a faster tape, don't we? We need to recalibrate our stuff. So you grab your other wheel, slap it on, recalibrate, boom. Does altitude affect your shot? Yes. It does. Yes. I didn't know um, that. I'm would, learning new things. I would tell you at 10,000 feet, go 50 yards and shoot. Really? And it'll affect your arrow? It's going to be usually flying higher. Really? Yes. And how much? That probably depends on everything, right? Draw length, weight, arrow weight, blah, blah, blah. The whole yes, deal. 10,000 feet is where I noticed uh, a difference. The biggest change. It usually it's the farther shots, you know? Yeah. Because it doesn't take a whole lot on the farther side. Starting to get above timberline sometimes too. Yeah, yeah, right, right there. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you need to do that, you're definitely capable of doing something like that as a kingpin because everything you're not, you know, you have a second wheel. Um, the fast eddy three pin. So you got your 20, 30, 40. Your bottom pin's your floater. So you're gonna move the whole housing to your 50, 60 while you roll the wheel, 70. You know, of course, until it maxes to, out. Until it maxes out, until it basically hits your arrow, right? Yeah. You got to have a, a stop where you put the stopper on so it doesn't hit don't your Don't hit aim. your arrow. Yeah, you don't hit your arrow. <laughs> don't want to throw that shot. So, but you got to remember to redial your zero when you go Back to zero. a 30-yard shot. Yeah. Because you'll shoot 10 feet over your target. So that, that that's one style, and a lot of them are like that. The whole housing uh, moves. Just whatever you get used to is... Uh, so make sure you re bring it to zero. Remember where it's at at all times. Now, for you, do you have a recommended, like, are you using a single, or are you using a floater or a slider? Or? I shoot a Spot Hog Hunter 7-pin. Oh, okay. So why do you choose a 7-pin instead of a... You know what? I've I been shooting it forever. Yeah. If I remember you, when they first came out, I was like, this is the best sight on the planet. It's just... It, it, I can still see all the colors and they don't all blur <laughs> together yet. Yeah. Um, if you've ever seen the sights I have here, I draw custom. Um, so all my small hog sevens will have your 50 pin, your 50 yard pin will be the last of the 19s. And down below that will be 10, 10, 10. So 50, I kind of break up the colors so it doesn't look like Christmas in there when you look at that, so, <laughs> you know, that that's all those pins. Cause yeah, it's confusing. It's yeah. Very confusing. Um, so it's, that's how I could tell if that site came from here in a seven pin. Cause mm -hmm. I, that's what I, I just order them like that. All I don't, cause that's why I teach people. Cause that full draw, you're counting pins instead of bearing, you know, put it on your animal. Mm -hmm. You don't, you want to take that out of it much as you can. So a lot of our shots, what, 40, 50, 60, pretty common black tail right. spot, right? So yellow's your only 50 yard or so. One above easy. or one below. Pretty easy. Yeah. You know, it helps you easy, jump pin. 30 is easy. Yeah, it, yeah. You, don't, you don't get caught counting. I did it, changed everything because of it. Right. You know, big black tail, drinking water, 70 yards. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. Counting <laughs> pins, apparently. Yeah. Um, so well, I think it was 60 yards. It was something in between. Um, but, yeah, so I did a change. And, that, and I was trying to teach everybody. So if, if you're into seven pins, it's a lot of pins. 
-hmm. I'll try to talk you out of it. It's a lot of it's a lot it's a lot in your sight picture. It is a lot. Unless you're used to it, it's single pins very easy. Yeah, it's super simple because that's all you see. Yeah, one dot five pin pretty simple for the most part. Yeah, I mean I shoot a single pin so single pins are super easy as long as you put the wheel in the right spot. Yeah, when you spin it. Right. (laughs) Seriously. Um, So yeah, it's it's very personal. Like everything here. Um, But yeah, whatever you see the best, shoot the best. So let's dive into rests a little bit. You talked about a whisker biscuit, mm-hmm. right? And I remember when the whisker biscuit first came out. Yeah, revolutionary. Blew huh? my mind. Yeah. Like, I no longer have to put my finger on my arrow <laughs> right? to hold it on my bow. Because I walk around, 90% of the time I have an arrow knocked while I'm walking around no the forest. More, no more quick tune. Yeah. Quick tune rest. Yeah, right? I was so excited about that. Yeah. So. What it, and and a whisker biscuit's part of the package deal for a hundred bucks, yeah. uh, similar to yeah right. So what is Full a whisker container. biscuit? So it's a bunch of bristles in a circle mm-hmm. that holds your holds your arrow up. But when your arrow goes through it, it pulls the veins through it. So that's where the controversy. Like some people will go, that's cool. Some people you're compromising do. speed. Yeah, comes speed or hand torque. If you have a little bit of torque in the hand, you you know you twist it. If you see your arrow swimming out of your bow, yeah, we're probably gripping the bow. Um, so you could you know, I have guys that are going on desert sheep hunts with them. Really? Yes. Because oh, they wow. they want a non-failing product. And you it know, doesn't fail. <laughs> there's not much there, is there? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's shooting. He's shooting long distance with that thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think he only has one bow. That could be one of the reasons why too. But um, yeah, they don't fail. They're simple. Pretty, you know. Now rain and freezing. If it's raining and it freezes, then we might have a problem. You're fucked. The, the bristles, the bristles, <laughs> the arrow, your vein might be stuck in the bristles when they go through there. Uh, but no, it, it, it's a good rest, and we don't have that problem here, right? Yeah. Um, it's a good rest, simple, gets you going. For the money, you can't really go wrong. Takes care of business. Yeah, because a lot of your $50 dropways, not that great. Now, what's the difference between a dropaway that's hooked to your cable and a dropaway that's hooked to your limb? Okay, the, ca- the cable, a cable driven is like most of your QADs, okay? I mean, long, so the best way to explain it is to go to the limb-driven. So limb-driven, your yeah, limb-driven will will stabilize your arrow longer. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but you remember there's a cable going from now your burger button or your rest, where your rest is, all the way down your limb. You know, it's, it's just personal if you want to have that cable hanging down there. I feel like 30, that's a lot of extra stuff. It is. You know, it works good. It, it you know, it works really good, you know. You know, Hamsky has really good ones. I mean, all of them, you know, some states, they sell a lot of limb driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the cables, shorter, less stuff getting caught on it. Um, QADs, rip cords, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're all pretty good in that, you know. Well, so aside from the whisker biscuit, what we're looking at here is we have a rip cord code red, which I shot a ripcord code red for we all did. I think six years probably. That was that the was, bee's knees for a long that time. That was it. Yeah. That was, that was the stuff. That was my first upgraded rest yeah. from a whisker biscuit. No, not <laughs> I never owned a whisker biscuit. It was the uh, the old finger rest. Yeah, the finger rest. Really? Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. That, yeah. I think everybody at one point shot a ripcord. Right. 
you know, if they've been in it at least as long as you have. Yeah. Or I have. Yeah. Which hasn't, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that long. Yeah. So, but yeah, the ripcord's good. They make micro-tuned versions. Okay. Um, for very well priced. They're very well priced. Um, it's a micro-tuned, so they have a little thread on top. You can just, uh, a little knurled thing. You can move it up and down. Rest goes up and down, left to right, for your broadhead tuning and that. And now is that the same... Um, system that QAD is sort of using on theirs? Are they using a little bit of a yeah, different system? So, or? You know, they have the standard, the, <coughs> the I think it's the, the MDX. Um, yeah, it's the same kind of system. A little bit different, but yeah, it moves up and down with a micro tune. Mm -hmm. And it has a block, you tighten it. So once you've done micro tuning, broadhead tuning, you tighten it up and it won't move. Mm -hmm. uh, they do a really slick job of that. And the verdict, Matthews makes one for the verdicts in Traverse this year that mounts the riser, which is pretty pimp. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's what I have on my verdict. Very clean. Um, <laughs> I don't think they could partner with a better company, right? I mean, yeah. Pretty, pretty let's just make this perfect for our yeah. product yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what they did I mean that's what they're shooting out to do so yeah it works very well uh, the MX rest um, for Matthews or QAD and that so yeah so you have yeah you have micro tune and you have non micro tune versions mm -hmm. non micro tune versions work the same it just sometimes takes you longer to tune your belt and that's and it, where the micro-tuning comes in extremely beneficial, and I think you mentioned this early, is broadheads, man. for fixed-blade fixed broadheads. Yeah. Fixed-blade broadheads. I mean, it, it makes it super simple. I know it's hard to justify, you know, five or ten minutes worth of work of tuning it and being kind of done with it for the most part. Yeah. Um, to spend an extra hundred bucks or whatever it is on that whatever company you're buying it from but it, it you know it it's worth it if you're buying a high-end bow hands down yeah by far so makes life easy that's all so we'll dive into our next subject which is going to be stabilizers and we'll leave the quivalizer we'll talk we'll we'll roll into quivers okay after stabilizers because of the quivalizer and its diversity. That's why it's in the middle. That, I, yeah, that's, you know, you know, I had to put that middle boundary in there. Um, so what is the benefit of having a stabilizer? Cause like, did you look at some of these guys shooting these target competition bows? And yeah. I know Beastinger makes a double pack yeah. that you can get two different stabilizers, you know, one to kick out the side, one's a sidebar and one's coming out the front of your bow. You know, but what's what's the big gain here going on with stabilizers, whether you're running a 10-inch stabilizer or a 6-inch stabilizer or... Well, idea, the idea is that you can see on my wall, I have no $20 stabilizer, right? They don't exist. Well, they do. Oh. I just don't carry them. Oh, okay. Because they're, I mean, I, I would tell you, a lot of my packages, I don't put stabilizers. Like I said, I, I put a better quiver on your bow. That's something you're going to keep for a longer time. Makes a, more a, sense. A $10 or $20 stabilizer, uh, <laughs> it's going to end up in your tackle box in, in a month. Yeah. You know, so you buy a bar that makes you shoot better. Yeah. You know, now what's the length? What's the length that you want? Um, you know, it's very personal. But the longer bar you have, the better that bow will typically hold. Yeah. You know, I run it. 
I'm running a 10 inch bar on my um, my verdicts right now. Run a 10 inch bar on my verdicts with uh, five ounces on the front. Um, so eight inch is very common. You I would tell you just run an eight with a quick disconnect. Be around nine inches. That's a good uh, a real good length. Um, now brand wise, I personally, the B-Singer, B-Singer Microhex is your best weighted, lightest, only weight in front bar. And it does help with vibration. So now that's why I'm looking at this Matthews Stabilizer, yeah. which is a carbon fiber bar with the weight up front. Which, yes, most, most of them are. They still have the, uh, the Matthews will dip. Oh, their bar's carbon, and they'll dip all their components. So if we want to get a let's say a Realtree Vertex, we can get a Realtree Stabilizer. Right? Oh, okay. Uh, a lot of companies kind of, like Beatsinger, they just kind of went to solid colors this year. So black it is mm-hmm. in colors. Um, so the bars are black, everything is black. So, But yeah, the Matthews bars are great. Um, come with a couple of extra ounce weights for your longer bars. Um, and they have a little vibration control in the front. Yeah, they're great bars. They're all good. They're all pretty good bars. That's any of the B Singers or Matthews bars, you know. And there's other stuff out there for sure. But you want the weight on that tip of that bar, I would tell you. Okay. Keep the bow down weight-wise and actually make it shoot better. That's and the, it'll stabilize your hand while your arm's extended and you're in full draw. That's the goal. That's yeah, the goal. Not just a rubber toy Yeah. out in the front there. And like average price is, is what, let's call it 80 bucks is average price for a stabilizer? Yeah, I'd say between... You should you should be spending between sixty and eighty ninety bucks. Yeah. You know, and of course you can go up or down a little bit there. Yeah. That's not going to be by a crazy amount. And it's it's definitely not a necessity for every bow hunter. No. But it's absolutely a beneficial piece. Yeah, it makes you shoot better. Yeah. Absolutely. So with that, we'll roll into quivers. I run a hip quiver. You're the only guy I know. Right All now. you guys make fun of me for it. Yeah. I could care less. <laughs> I've killed more animal with my fucking arrows on my hip. I've lost two arrows. You lost more arrows on your hip. I've lost two <laughs> arrows. I lost one in a patch of brush in Nevada. But that can happen with any quiver. In 2010. <laughs> and I lost another arrow in a patch of brush this year. In California. Yeah, that can happen with any quiver though. Yeah. I think I lost an arrow or two before. Usually it's pig hunting, going through brush. Going through this gnarly ass little ratty caves yeah, at Lake Sonoma. Yeah, you just kind of just get through it before you know you get back down to your truck or boat and missing an arrow. <laughs> How'd that happen? Yeah. So, it, you know, quiver wise, <clears throat> you know, all the bow companies, well, not all of them, but most of the bow companies will make their own quiver, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes Matthews makes their own bow mounted quiver I'm sure Hoyt makes their own yeah Hoyt makes one Matthews makes one Um, you know Bowtech makes one Elite makes one I mean most of your bigger brand stuff makes Mm -hmm. one Um, but is it the the best quiver for the money or is it the best quiver for you I don't you know yeah for their money not for your money yeah for in some years they change your quivers you know Five arrows, longer draw length, brave, you know, you want that arrow usually braced 
longer from the top of your uh, hood to lower um, so it keeps the vibration of your arrow down um, so a tight spot does really well for a one you know one uh, one piece of quiver that comes on on and off your bow tight spot works really well mm -hmm. I mean it's just super simple light you can take them off there's foam off you know you can put foam in them you can run them solid the foam thing's new so now we can put foam in them mm -hmm. separately and they have a second set of grabbers on them if you see here in the one of their new ones the rise yeah about rise it comes from their grabber so it helps with vibration um just when you're running like uh, spandables they they buzz when you shoot so mm -hmm. that foam up there will help the rattle go rattle. away yeah, yeah. That, and that's what we're hearing a lot of times but with fixed blades, you don't hear it. Right. Nothing there to vibrate. Um, so, yeah, it's they range from 20 bucks and up in quivers. Yeah. Well, and like your tight spot being, it's 154.95. You have yeah. the Quivalizer, which is 199.99. And then we also grabbed, I grabbed this True Glow. <clears throat> I ran an Octane yeah, for years. Yeah, Octane. Just because it was yeah. like, I felt at the time it was a mid range. Yeah, they, they all made good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the True Glow, I mean, that it gets the job done on a budget price if you wanted. Yeah. If you wanted to get that. So let's talk about the Quivalizer and what this monster thing is. And like, I mean, I, I've seen it. Todd uses one. And, and oh, does it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Todd's using it. And the cool thing that he showed me about it is turning it up. And then turning it back out. Yeah. And I don't know if he used it to eliminate. You usually eliminate weight. <clears throat> mm -hmm. You know, you can cut a lot of weight off your bow by taking all your bars, sidebars, front bars off, and just run a quivalizer. Yeah. Just two birds, one stone. You know, and it keeps your weight up front. Um, way so, up front. Way up front. Well, it's like running a 20-plus inch, <laughs> you know, stabilizer. Yeah. You know, and well, and some, it gained a lot of popularity. Yeah, it, and that's why I wanted to use that as an example instead of anything in else. In some situations, I think it'll work better better than other others. Uh, but you can run as a, a regular quiver on the side mm -hmm. too. You know, like, like a and it's still lightweight. It's very lightweight. But remember, when you put them on the side, now your bow's usually pulling to the right. So for me, if I did that, I'd be shooting not the same as it would be out front. Yeah. So just remember to practice with what you have in, in both those scenarios. Um, but out front, shoots really awesome. Yeah. It spoils you. Makes you shoot really well. Yeah. <clears throat> so <clears throat> switching gears, let's talk a little bit about releases. So the biggest miss that I've ever had in my life on a buck was with a thumb release. Mm -hmm. So I will never use a thumb release because they scare the pants out of me. Mm -hmm because it was my first buck. It's a beautiful setup. My dad jumped a buck. We were bow hunting together. This buck came up. I heard it, yeah. so I stopped. Bruce is eating my toe. Yeah. And uh, that's just, we'll just let people try to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, <laughs> fuck, dude. So, <clears throat> this buck ran out in front of me, 20 yards, broadside, slam dunk shot. My dad is 20 yards from me to the deer. My dad is 80 yards on the other side of the deer 
watching the buck with me in the timber behind the buck, the buck's looking at him, right? Yeah. So my dad sees me, the buck doesn't know I exist, and I've got my first 20 yard shot on my first archery buck, and my dad has his binoculars up, getting front row seats to the show. And I go to draw back, now we're gonna date how long ago this was, I was using aluminum shafted arrows. Perfect. Because I think that's carbon carbon was just coming out. Yeah, yeah. And maybe not just coming out, but that's, yeah, that's, that's what, what I had. That's what I was shooting. And um, my, because I had a aluminum finger rest, right? Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have had a finger rest with a thumb release. I had just gotten the thumb release. Like, Good time to go hunting with it. Like three three days before you this. Definitely should go hunting with yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't know what the buck I was yeah. doing. So I come to full draw. I'm coming to full draw and that aluminum arrow squeaks on the rest. Now to me, ten inches from it is the loudest sound in the forest. The deer probably couldn't hear it, but I tensed up. And because I tensed up, the webbing from my pointer finger to my thumb engage the release oh, shit. because they they weren't like fancy like they are now yeah it's way it's a way different yeah. setup i clenched and the webbing from my thumb hit the release i shot the arrow over the buck's back and that's the story that's the story biggest yeah, miss of my life but can, you when you miss with i mean usually when you miss and that is a good scenario a good situation you're in i mean just bought it probably haven't shot it very much i think i had maybe 25 arrows down. yeah it, that <laughs> is a usually when you miss with those guys you miss not by an inch you miss by a foot when normally what your finger release would be an inch let's say yeah um so it's just <clears throat> when you're talking thumb buttons or back tension for hunting yeah, definitely practice. You know, you need to practice a lot mm-hmm. with them. I talked so many guys out of them the week before the season, but I have a whole wall full. Why would I? I could never I, now today I never understand why switching terrible. release the week t- before the season. It's a good idea. Why? Shiny. Yeah, look at I, it. Let's yeah. spend two hundred dollars. Yeah, I, I talk terrible salesman. I talk so many people out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, when, cause it's, that's not what I would, I mean, maybe in January, talk them into well, it. Well, that's, yeah. Come back after the season. Let's, 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 let's do, do some work. Let's do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we don't want that with the experience that you just had. I'm trying, we try to prevent that. I mean, there's, it's already hard enough archery wise. As an archer yeah. in California. And, and it's something you've been shooting forever, you know, and you go to switch it a week before three days or Friday before the season. Um, it happens, I think, more often than it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we got to put our time in with them and blank bail with them and really wrap your head around them. You yeah. know, um, it's supposed to be a surprise when it goes off. Right. Different than a than a wrist, you know, a regular wrist trap release. You know, you you know, you kind of say go when it shoots. You know. And that's what I use. I mean, yeah. They don't. I think that the release I use has been discontinued. Uh, the Scott Rhino. Oh, the Rhino, yeah. XT. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they discontinued I... it. But it's killed plenty of deer. Yeah. And I have two of them. Yeah. You know, and that was a big thing that you sold me on. was like, yeah. 
hey, you need two releases. And then I realized I needed two releases when my trigger broke. No, it didn't break. It came unscrewed oh, shit. and off of my release. Yeah. Oh, the whole, the whole thing? Came. The whole thing came yeah. out. Yeah. So I ended up taking a trigger from my buddy's extra release and screwing it into mine. Thank God that when it fit. sleeping? No, 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 no. <laughs> he was kind enough to let me have it. Yeah, it's... Well, we... We prepare ourselves for this, you know, whatever week hunt, two week hunt, one week hunt, mm -hmm. weekend hunt. And we get up there, we fall and break a trigger off, right? Yeah. Easy as that. Our hunt's not over, but it's... It's close. It's close. Yeah. So it's just... Stick a stick in there and try to hope that it works. It's a simple thing to have to... It's an up. oversight. Yes. It can be. Uh, I think it is. I got one. I got one or two in my truck and in my toy hauler and... I have, you know, if somebody breaks one, I have, yeah, you, you couple want extra laying without around. that without a release, you're out of the game. Yeah. You know, one way or another, it doesn't matter what it is. Yeah. Um, so you should have, keep your old one, you know, don't don't throw it away. If you buy another one, just put it in your pack, the pack that you hunt with. Yeah. I hope. Because um, I got one in there. Uh, if you're careful when you get it, get it wet in your pig season to pull it out and dry it out. Mm -hmm. Don't let your release get rusty. Yeah. You don't work very good and rusty. That could be terrible. Don't let it get full of dust, too, in the summer. Yeah. Because yeah. that'll totally change the entire... Yeah. You got to blow them out. Yeah. Blow them out. Brake cleaner them and oil them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's... Pick your poison. So, we kind of broke down almost everything across this whole table that we're looking at right now. And <clears throat> what I'm wondering, is there anything that you think that we've left out? Anything that we left out? Um, I'm sure I can think of something, I just can't think of it right now. Practice on 3D targets, <laughs> shoot your bow. You know, product-wise, you know, there's a bunch of product out there. It's all good stuff. If anybody ever been in here or, you know, any good bow shop, they'll probably have a bunch of good stuff. But, you know, practice on a 3D target during hunting season. Practice with your broadheads. Yeah. You know, you know, if you need to tune your bow, whatever, do it well before. Practice, practice, yeah. practice. Yeah. It's like shooting a pistol. Yeah. Yeah. Worse. <laughs> yeah. More technical. Right. You know, it just depends how technical you want to be. Yeah. Right. But I'll shoot a bow at 50 yards better than I'll shoot a pistol Absolutely. at 50 yards. Absolutely. All day long. Just prepare yourself to, you know, be able to shoot far as, you know, far as you're comfortable with and practice as far as you can. So for Matthew's verdicts. Yeah. If somebody wanted to come in, they wanted to start out with a good bow and get a budget kit for a hundred bucks. What's like a math? What's that? It's about fourteen hundred on a verdicts. And that's arrows. Usually about kit. Four, yeah, fourteen a little bit. Call it fifteen hundred out the door. Fifteen hundred bucks with arrows, everything. Yeah, out ready the door. to go. And yeah, and you can build. Does off that come that. with a release too? Yeah, or yeah. yeah. And you can build off that frame, right? I mean, yeah. you can slowly replace. Because the bows stay good for yeah, for years. Long. Yeah, the bow frame and being an original owner, you get your warranty. Um, you get your warranty with the bow, which. Yeah. 
Um, I think it's very important. I mean, yeah. I, I, of course, I'm like a, a, a car dealership. I deal with all, <laughs> all the broken stuff, right? So right. I see what comes in and what's broken and what. You should you deal know. with my truck sometimes. <laughs> um, so it's, you might, yeah, you're like, oh, I don't even like that brand where I work on it. Well, it, they're all good, uh, but you, being a original owner, you, you know, you get the warranty mm-hmm. that comes with, you know, so. And hopefully, you know, you get customer service and get it all done right, you know, too, you know. So, get your feet wet. And for the Hoyt Carbon, for people that are big-time Hoyt fans Mm -hmm. or that are fans of Hoyt fans and that's kind of what they want to shoot. Yeah. You know, what are they looking at walking out the door door with a Hoyt? I mean, your Hoyt's usually about 500 more. Mm-hmm. on your carbon side of it uh-huh. any any carbon is going to be about five hundred dollars more than that verdicts that you like the price so you're you could be in two thousand uh twenty five to thirty five hundred it's wherever you want to be in that but it's five hundred dollars over in, in compared to aluminum yeah you know, aluminum's around you know between a thousand to eleven hundred bucks typically in all your brands yes color does sometimes matter Mm-hmm. Color, they're day two charges for some colors. Upcharge. Um, yeah, I, it's usually not much. It's only a brand, one or two brands out there. None of the brands I just were talking about pretty much. But, um, but yeah, yeah, they're all, you know, the aluminums do everything you need to do, and the carbons are awesome. I mean, it's right it's, on. It's all there is to it. So this is West Coast Archery Shop. You guys sell Deadeye Outfitter apparel here. You have some shirts and you have some hoodies, some some men hoodies and some maybe some female hoodies. Yeah. If I'm looking at it correctly. You Hi also hats. have some hats left. So you know that I work very closely with Dead Eye Outfitters. Everybody that listens knows that I work very closely with Dead Eye Outfitters. Great group of dudes. They're super solid and really fun human beings. Um there's a part in the podcast that's always the dead eye minute, right? It's always like a fun sort of weird question. And you're looking at me right now like, <laughs> what does this guy have fucking lined up what for you, me? What is, he, what is he really getting at? And I think today I'm going to ask you a little bit more of a real question. So you're a father and Carter is a stone cold slayer. Mm-hmm. He has had a phenomenal archery season this year and last year. Yeah. Um, what is that like for you as a father getting to watch your son be... Ext- I mean, I'm looking at the picture of him with the turkey and the bow on the wall. Or, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the kid is... I wish that I was him at his age. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I wish I was him. <laughs> I... Yeah, it, I think it's awesome. I mean, I really think it's awesome. I just uh, he, he gets does he do does he at his age know he's getting these opportunities? Does he know what he's getting? Does he know what he's getting? I mean, we got Texas coming up next week, and he's we got going South Carolina coming up in November. Yeah, and he's going, him. and we got you know it's Hawaii, all for him. Hawaii for spring, yeah, you know, springtime. Yeah, you know these are states that he can hunt being ten years old. Yeah. Right? I mean, we can't hunt big game in California. Because the age is apparently, 12. Apparently, yeah, apparently, you know, they don't shoot enough weight or something. I don't I don't know. 
Yeah, yeah till 12. What what weight is he pulling back? Shoots about 33, 32 pounds. Yeah. Right now, he's, he, he shoots. He and I mean, I've seen him drop pigs. He's killed yeah. a bigger forehorn than I have. He was really, really excited to he point sh- that out to yeah, me. Yeah, that's why he went down there. He wanted to shoot a forehorn because you shot one. Yeah, and and he came in and presented it to oh, me, yeah. and and the, I killed a bigger forehorn than you. He, he pretty much wanted a, like, a full body mount of that thing. Oh, really? <laughs> you should have you should have done it for him. No, no. <laughs> you're all not doing that. He, he, not yet. Yeah, I did. He's yeah, pretty lucky. Yeah, you know, a lot of people like to be in his, and I don't know if he knows he's where he's at. Where he's at? I mean, he's a he holds his bow really well on animals and. That's what he likes doing. He doesn't target shooting like paper targets, mm-hmm. which is fun. Does not like. I mean, he can care less. 3D, yeah, he likes shooting 3D. Paper, no. Uh-huh. But animals, yeah, he's it's cold. He's cold hard. I mean, he's he can hold that bow and yeah. be surprised what a 30-pound bow can do. So, is it difficult in the school system? for him at all like do any teachers he's ever no. complain about it is there any other no, is there any problems that you have because you have a he doesn't son that hunts no he doesn't i mean i yeah I don't, he doesn't make a big deal out of it it's yeah. just what he does yeah you know he's been doing it since seven years old i mean he does it like a kid would play baseball exactly yeah that's exactly. his sport we're doing it i mean wait he's probably hunting five times a year yeah i mean three of them four of them are in other states and we hammer turkey season every weekend <laughs> every time yeah every week until he gets his bird well and, and i don't even shoot a bird until he gets his bird oh he gets his bird yeah. first every time yeah. yeah so you know to get a bird 20 yards we're trying to get as close as possible yeah. it takes some time sometimes it happens the first two minutes of light it takes a couple tries couple days yeah sometimes it's the morning right before school yeah yes it's <laughs> that's how it's happened <laughs> that has happened yeah so yeah no it's pretty cool yeah. you know i wish more people were gonna could experience that and share more of that yeah you know with family and whole family hunting um i think because i think that's more of a rare thing in california lost you know? tradition well it's just it's hard here you know yeah. is it is don't, they don't favor kids right they don't give they don't favor anybody you know, that has anything to do with so, outdoor yeah, hunting i think i bought a texas hunt license from a week ago it was like around six bucks wow you know that's amazing yeah that, that's what i would call you know wanting the future to favoring yeah, kids because you can afford to do it yeah you know, we have to fly to Texas, but if you live there, you're blessed with it. You're right? paying six bucks. You're paying six, and that's a non-resident. It might be cheaper for three bucks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, so it's a big markup right yeah. there. Hundred <laughs> percent markup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's awesome. I love it. Right on. Hopefully, we don't spoil him too much, and he just has a lot of fun doing it. And and last but not least, you've been Matthews in Matthews top one hundred retailers. For one, two, three, four, five years running. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah, it's great product. I, lo- I love, I mean, I've shot Matthews bows. Yeah. It's the first real bow that I ever yeah. shot, I, and I've been in love with them ever since. I diverted for a little while. Yeah. I shot them since the first bow I ever had was a Feather Max. Yeah. 
Matthew's feather. I think I got one. A guy brought one in and restring it the other day. Oh, really? I brought feather max in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah, it's, I've been shooting them forever. Yeah. You know, it, you know, until I had a shop, I had more of a, you know, see other things out there for sure. But, um, hey, they make a good product. Again, they all do on the high end side of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think they they have their stuff together in Hawaii. And, you know, there's a couple other ones that are really good too, but they're all good. Nice. Right on, man. Well, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. We did it all right there. Yeah. It's a messy table. <laughs> I'll clean yeah. it up. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguide.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.